Welcome to Empire Building, the podcast where we talk about building big businesses and even bigger lives. I'm your co-host, Sarah Reynolds. I'm Seychelle Van Poole. And I'm Via Williams. So most children who grow up in the United States right now in the 21st century, are we in the 20, wait, we're in the 21st century, right? I've been yeah, asking yeah. the same 20, question. I think so. I know. Because <laughs> we're 2021, that's throwing us. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We're in the 21st century. Good. That's a good way to launch. Most children, anyway, who grow up now in 2021, 22, 23, are raised in households where all the adults work, right? But back in the day, it was the male who traditionally brought home the bacon and the female mm-hmm. fried it in the pan, ladies. I mean, that's yep. how it used to be, right? Those times have pretty long passed. But, you know, we're at a point now where we're even going, you know, more extreme, where almost a third of American households have a female breadwinner. Did you know that? I did not no, know I didn't that. realize that, I didn't actually. Either. And I think it's very dependent on where you live, I'm assuming. Probably. Yeah, Probably. my neighborhood, I'm like one of two uh, stay, work, working moms. Everyone else stays Out home. of how many? Out of 30. how many? Oh, yeah. That, okay. 30. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. But it's good to see that's increasing. 30%. That's awesome. We have a lot of working moms in ours, but I don't know of any others that are in the position of what we're talking about today. Yeah, I don't either because you don't always know, right? I mean, mm-hmm. your friends that work, you don't always know who the breadwinner is, you know, yeah. obviously, but... But it's been increasing. It's it's interesting because I graduated from high school in 1988 and the last statistic they did in 1987, only 18% Mm, of households in the United States had a female breadwinner. Now it's almost a third. So it's really, that's that's a pretty tangible increase since I graduated from high school anyway, right? What's interesting about it is, you know, some of the traditional dynamics haven't changed. Women still do more childcare and housework than their husbands, Right men still feel that traditional pressure, right? To be the family Mm -hmm. breadwinner. And so while we have about a third of homes where the female's the breadwinner, about 41% of women in the United States still take the lead role in housework. Mm. It's interesting you say this. Like I've been actually learning a lot about this, but when you have a systemic change like something like this with a female becoming more of a breadwinner in families, any major change, whether it's societal or whether it's something like this in the household, really takes three generations to change. And so if you oh, think about that, we're in the middle, like our, like a lot of our moms for our age, right, were in, started the feminist movement, right? And then now we're kind of in the second generation, which is the messy middle. And then our kids are going to see something very different mm-hmm. behind us and think something is very different for the next generation. So we're in the messy middle of the second generation on this right now. I love I love looking at it this way. This is such a um, real and uh, topic for me in particular this week alone. So my my girls are becoming older to where they're noticing more things and they're becoming very vocal. And my amazing husband George has been having to have some conversations around mm-hmm. this topic, and it can be a sensitive topic, right? Because mm-hmm. we care so deeply about our spouses and about our marriages. And in the same sense, we want to make sure that we are being good examples to our to our children in, in every way, right? George mm-hmm. and I looked at each other this week and said, we've never, we've never sat down and said, what is the outcome we want with our kids? Meaning, how will we know if we won parenting? Mm-hmm. And I was like, we need to sit down and do that, right? Because for me, it's like being an example of a female breadwinner. That's what I would like to show my girls. They can be whatever. But mm-hmm. let's talk about, we're going to talk about four things. Yeah. 
four things to strengthen our marriages and families, right? I mean, it is a unique dynamic, right? It's it a unique yes. dynamic that, you know, I mean, it says 30%. It feels a lot lower to me. I was really it surprised does. at how high that was. And so, you know, these are, this is, we put a lot of care and consideration into, you know, what we would talk to you about. And I think that this is a fairly vulnerable topic for all of us. It's a little, I think we're all a little nervous about talking about it, if I can say that, you know, I mean, like, what are our husbands going to think when they listen to this episode? I mean, mm-hmm. I, you know, um, it's tricky. For sure. We're, I mean, we're feeling it. I think mm-hmm. we're pretty strong women, right? Yes. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of women I coach and mentor um, me who reach out to me on social media, I'm sure with you guys, who are starting to really kick ass in their, their respective mm-hmm. industry and fields. And I see them just, you know, growing and becoming more financially successful. And they are stopping themselves. They're like putting a governor on themselves yes. because they're concerned about this. Yeah. So there are, you know, I have hope for you. All three of us, you know, there are ways you can have a healthy marriage and family and do this, right? And and we're going to walk through four, we think of the most important aspects to make it a good, healthy, functional relationship, right? Family unit relationship. Is that fair? Yeah. I mean, I'm ha- having an aha when you said that because, you know, with that stat and we said 30%, I'm like, is that right? That doesn't feel right. I know. I know. I mean, if you think about it, the three of us today, right, are some of the mm-hmm. top female breadwinners in America, right? And we mm-hmm. are having reluctance talking about it right mm-hmm. now. So mm-hmm. the reason we don't feel it is because no one's talking about it. And yeah. I think that yeah. is what is so powerful about us starting the conversation of how to have a, a, an amazing marriage and at the same time really go against traditional norms where the female is the primary breadwinner. Mm-hmm. So. And here's what just hit me when you said that. I was like, wait a minute. Like, so if you have a dual income couple and someone's making 90,000 a year and someone's making 80,000 a year and technically the woman's like that, that might fall into that statistic. Our cases are a little more extreme. And I think a lot of, I think that's probably what we're talking to. That just hit me. I'm like, well, it could be a dollar more and you get into that stat. I think, you know, the more extreme female breadwinners where there's a pretty big delta, that's you know, probably our reality a little bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's really who is responsible for making sure the mortgage is paid. Yeah. You have yeah, the, the money stay on. to, yeah. the lights stay on. If you, you know, we're wanting to put in a pool, who's going to pay? Like who's the, yeah. who's carrying the pressure of the yeah. weight of that financial decision? Who's the tree shaker? Who's the jelly maker? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And, yeah. And they're so. both, I want to make sure we're clear, like, especially with all three of us kids are involved, both roles are ridiculously important. So important. And so like, as we jump into this today, I think we're uncomfortable a little bit because we recognize that the role at home is just as important as the role at work is. And our husbands are actually supporting us vocally in doing what we do best. And yes. a lot of people don't feel like they even have permission as a female breadwinner to go do that. And so I think we're in this really amazing, unique opportunity because our husbands fully support us in doing what we do best. And uh, it's yeah. so rare uh, to have that. So I'm, well, I'm excited and nervous. <laughs> yes. We'll say that was beautiful for our point number one, right? Because it, it's respecting each other, right? Yes. I'm, I mean, I... We just got back. I was away for four sleeps <laughs> and uh, on work, on a work trip. And I got home and George was very obviously upset, which he's not really doesn't get upset. And he said, I had to have yeah. a, a really hard conversation with Caitlin, our second, because she was comparing you to all of the moms at school. 
And she was trying to figure out why you're not at school all the time with her. And and it sort of led into a heated discussion. (laughs) And at the end of it, I looked at him and he looked at me and I said, we're not appreciating one another right now. But what, what I wow. what I'm hearing you say is that you don't feel I'm appreciating you in our on our team, and you're not, and I'm not feeling like you appreciate me on the team. Mm. And th- that we need to start appreciating one another. We need to start respecting one another. That there is we each sort of hold a different role, right? You know, all the pressure of finances is all on me. And he looked at me and said, mm-hmm. and the pressure of everything else in our family is all on me. That's yep. right. That's yep. right. And we both are having pressure. Yeah. And it's like, okay, the first step is to appreciate. We, we're saying respect, but it's like respect and just show appreciation for what the other person does, right? And being a team. Mm-hmm. So. You know, one thing that's, I love that because you're so right. And one thing that's helped us a lot with coming, moving forward in our communication with that is actually just reading the book, The Five Love Languages, because how we show appreciation for our significant other, especially for in these opposed, like different roles, I think becomes even more important. And for me, it was a big eye opener that acts of service was mine and that uh, quality time is Nick's. And so for him, like being present and not having the phone ring off the hook and being engaged and and showing the appreciation with time is Mm. the one thing I can do to show him how much I appreciate him. And as a female breadwinner, when you're running all these different things and all these people report to you and stuff is blowing up all over the place, it that's a very challenging way to show appreciation when that is the language. And so really yeah. becoming aware of, of how your spouse wants to be appreciated or your partner wants to be appreciated, I think is a big key step to that too. Huge. I love that. And I, I don't know about you guys, but I find sometimes with Ben and I that our egos get in the way and it becomes a competition. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys experience this where who had the busiest day? Like, because mm. Sarah, when you were saying that from George, Ben and I have that exact conversation. I'm like, I have all the stress of, you know, bringing in all the income to fund all this. And he's like, I am doing literally everything else. There is mm-hmm. not enough time in the day. Mm-hmm. So it almost becomes a competition like, wow, I had a long day. So did I. How long was yeah. your day? How long was yeah. your day? And I, every once in a while, I'll be like, this isn't a competition. I honor and respect that you had a stressful day. And, you know, it'd be great if you could honor and respect that I did too. And he keeps me in check for sure. And I think a lot of that is a little bit ego. You know, your your people report to you. You know, we, we all have big worlds in our work life. You come home and it's you're pretty humbled pretty fast. You know, it's crazy. Yeah. George, it has it has never felt like a, a competition. He's amazing in that way. I know that's rare, but it's never no, felt like a, a competition in terms of, but I think it's more, you know, putting the role of your spouse versus the role of your children. In this case, mm-hmm. right? It was like our kids said something and then his immediate is like, we should fix it because the kids said it. Yeah. And it's like, well, we're yeah. not going to let our children well, that's also run. kind of a guy thing. Let's be honest. Yeah. True. Like, let's fix that's it. That's true. That's true. Yes. That's true. So true. So, but focusing on you know, our goals, right? Have, making sure we're in alignment of our goals is what came up as well, which helped. The other thing too, like I, I just want to point out, at least in our personal situation, is like we didn't plan for one of us to be the breadwinner and one of us to not. Correct. It was more like this wonderful, amazing child came into the world and all of a sudden you wake up and realize that like, whoa, all of these other things are now on our plate. And what is like almost uh, non-verbally, like we each assumed roles, but I don't know that for like, you know, Nick's sake, like that that was like, he was like, yes, 
I was born to do this. This is what I want to do. Like he also has an identity and a desire to have a career someday too. And so he is consciously jumping in on taking like a role that maybe, you know, we're like, who is maybe best suited to do this? And each side, but it's not like one of us woke up and was like, I must do this one day. And so I think honoring that maybe someone's doing something that's outside of their wheelhouse too has been something that I've had to be mindful of because it wasn't like he woke up and was like, I desire to be in this position. It was more like, who who is the most natural to do the breadwinning side? Okay, you do that and I'll just figure the rest out. Yeah. So, yeah. It, it for sure has to be an alignment on our goals, not like one of your goals, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, true. so that that was important, I think, to start with that. I mean, that that that's respect is kind of the foundation of all of this. We have to talk about finances if we're going to talk about a female breadwinner, and that's our second one: finances. It's the biggest source of conflict in any marriage, you know, and it could potentially be a really big source of conflict in this situation. It's actually we're good now with this topic. We've had our moments for sure mm-hmm. when finances have been tight, and I, I was thinking about it because you know when we were talking about this episode this week. And I and I think that's part of our success. I think if you've gone through financial hardship, you learn to recognize that however revenue and income can come into your life, that's a good thing. And you become aligned. Like we're both mm-hmm. super grateful for the income that comes into our life. And we really view this as like the family, like Via has the family job. Like let's mm-hmm. all support the primary source of income rather than male, female, whatever. We just view it. There's a family business, Williams Inc., right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have this one role to go and bring, you know, X amount of money and Ben's got this role to keep the engine running and, you know, tree maker, jelly maker. And so I think that, you know, finances have been, have turned into a, a decent, a decent topic for us, but they used to be really stressful. But the one thing I wanted to share, and I'm really curious to hear what you guys are doing on this topic, but what has worked for us? And, and again, I, you know, for us, it's been important and it's worked well. It, I'd be curious to hear if you guys are the same. One of us is in charge of like the daily bookkeeping or the weekly bookkeeping. Like one of us is in charge of paying the bills and making sure, you know, everyone's set, like the kids' soccer's paid and all that. And then the other one of us is focused on savings, reserves, long-term investments. Mm. And that, having having those those two separate roles has just been, it's worked really well for us. We both feel part of the finances, but we have different roles. This actually came up at our couples goal setting retreat, which I highly recommend. And especially if you are in in this category, it's a great time to get away and connect with your spouse. And when we when we did that, I was in charge of main breadwinner, also um, in charge of paying bills. And our financial world has changed over the last couple years in a way where there's a lot of things I don't understand (laughs) because Mm -hmm. I have never been in this situation before and in a good way. And there's mm-hmm. not a lot of people you can say that to or talk to about that. And I remember looking at him and I said, I need your, like, because he's the smartest man and almost perfect SAT score, like brilliant guy. And I'm like, I need your brain on making sure that we are making wise decisions, that I'm being a good steward of everything that God has gifted us. And we started implementing a regular meeting. And so now we don't have it to where one of us does one thing and the other does. I'm paying the bills, but then in that paying the bills meeting, we go over our net worth. We go over what decisions are we wanting to make. Mm-hmm. We recircle on our the the goals that we set at the couple's goal setting retreat. And so implementing a regular meeting and having a process and system around that has really helped us a lot. 
is making sure that they feel very included in the finances and they understand what's going on. Um, and then it also allows for you to have another shoulder to carry some of the pressure to where you're you're looking at it together. Okay, I'm curious for both of you, because we're all three female breadwinners. Who's the spender and who's the saver in your marriage? Neither of us really spend that much. I think that's something that we've been on alignment so pretty much. Yeah, I mean, I like I probably spend a little bit more than he does just because I do love shoes. So there's that. But I would say like both of us are very, we were very purposeful early on in our relationship of understanding what our long-term goals were. And uh, we've met regularly on those. And Nick is incredibly strategic. That's something that's like mm. his superpower. Jordan he is too. very strategic. And so that's in how we raise Quinn. That's in how he spends time. That's in how he spends money. He understands that like what he spends has a purpose and a reason behind it. And so neither of us are really spenders in that way. But I will say he's very good about looking at like the wealth building and the net worth side of things from a, like an investment strategic standpoint and asking questions where I'm like, oh, I never would have thought to do that or I would not have considered that. And so that's probably where his superpower is. But interesting question on the spending, yeah. Are you guys equally aligned, Seychelle, with like building net worth or is one of you kind of more the driver on that than the other? I'm probably the... Well, I mean, I've admitted this on past episodes. I am absolutely the squirrel uh, when it comes to like save, save, save. But I think Nick really is debt averse as well. And so we view debt as a vehicle, but I think both of us really don't love debt. Like that's something mm -hmm. we've been risk averse from the beginning. And we were we were gifted by both of our parents to come out of college without debt. And so I, they, we were gifted, and I know a lot of people aren't, we were gifted like a zero debt start. And I think our goal has always been to try to keep a baseline of awareness around like if we take on debt, it's usually for real estate is pretty much the only thing we spend debt on. Everything else gets paid off on a monthly basis. So if we don't have the money in the bank, we just don't spend it. So I think that's been a good like monthly, you know, meeting for us. If we want a new couch or we want a new car or whatever, it's like, well, then what, what are we going to do to earn the additional income to make that happen? So we're pretty debt averse. I'm, I'm definitely the spender. Yeah, I'm, I'm the, the spender, spender, the risk taker. He is actually the bigger net worth thinker. Oh, mm. interesting. Which I learned at the couple's goal setting retreat. He, that's cool. I thought I thought really big until I actually we asked mm. each other some questions. And I was like, "Whoa!" Nice. I'm like, I love that. But yeah, but no, I'm definitely the. We we both are big savers as well. But he definitely leaned. If I had to choose one of us, it would definitely be mm. him. I ask because I have turned into the, like the net worth driver, and I am yeah. a spender, which is an interesting dynamic because I'm like. <laughs> Don't, it is. Spend it. Don't spend it. Spend it. Don't spend it. You know, we have to do this, whatever. But Ben, I was, it was just thinking about it, Sarah. Like you guys meet weekly and you kind of decide together about your bills. I have completely abdicated that and I will never not abdicate it. Like Ben just, I have to have someone handling the daily bookkeeping, mm, that's right? Good, it's yeah. just not that's my great. strong suit. Yeah. But I also abdicated the other part until um, about a year ago is mm. when I, a uh, year and a half ago, we had a conversation and I said, I think I should take over long-term finances, you know, mm -hmm. reserves and investments. And we, we had a lot of talks about it. It was an interesting, you know, I'm like, okay, I need the passwords. And then I, I got a different bank account and that has been very, very new in our marriage and so good. Our net worth has increased five times in the last two and a half years, That's five awesome. times. That's so awesome. it's probably two I years ago. I love that. 
Well, and you've gotten yeah. really clear anyway. and purposeful, which I think is like our third part of this episode, right? Which is define how you're going to contribute. And what we're hearing is that in action, Bia, that's so yep. awesome, of being yep. clear about your jurisdiction and being clear about what you want. And I know you kind of have a rule that you use, so I'll let you go into that. Uh, but it's super cool. Yeah, I mean, you know, it might be different for everybody, but I started um, when I had my first, so I have three kids, 2017 and 11. And when I had Michael, my my oldest, it became evident to me and everyone's different. Some people might have more um, ability to do more, a higher ceiling. I made a decision in my first year of being a new mom that I can have, there's three major things that have to happen in life, right? Number one, have a career for me. I'm a working mom. Have a career. Number two, being a good wife and mother. And number three, managing the household. Mm -hmm. Just all the things, mm -hmm. right? You know, the, the mm -hmm. meals, the, the bills, the shuttling the kids back and forth, right? I, I think of a household as, as a business. It's just like managing the household, right? And I knew and I learned early on I could do two of the three. I couldn't do three of the three. It wasn't going to yeah. happen. And so being a good wife and mother is not optional. And I'm a working mom and we need and like our income. And so number one wasn't optional. So that meant I had to learn how to leverage, mm. you know, the household and the kids' daily activities. And that has been a big source of conversation. When is it worth it to hire out yes. someone to cook meals, someone to clean more versus having Ben bringing in income? There's like a delta that mm -hmm. makes it worth it. And we all go through like, is childcare worth it? Will it make you bring in more income? Or is it better to have one spouse stay at home for that? Those are the decisions so over the good. years that that have, you know, taken up our time. But it one and two were just not optional. Ben was on board with that. I was on board with that. So we always knew that we were going to have to leverage and outsource most things that have to do with the household and the kids' activities. And, and most of the time, we both agreed it's better to be one of us. And that's Ben. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's a one time George said to me, it's amazing, like, it's we're because we're a team. We are raising our kids together. He's yeah, more the sure. present one, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's it's not like it's like nanny after nanny after nanny. Yes, we do have a nanny, right? And honestly, he needs more leverage, which we won't go into today. But but Get the reality out. is, is that he <laughs> loves that though. He loves being yeah, the present sure. one. He loves being the one, you know. And Same we are so aligned in our parenting and what's important. So it's like that's amazing that to, to be able to have that. You know, and this makes me think too of we're in a season right now. Our kids are going to be only these ages for so long and only in the house for so long. Like, yeah, I know, you know, Michael just went off to college recently. And, you know, it's just, I'm keenly aware too that this is a season and then our kids are going to fly the nest and we're going to have a different season and there's going to be a realignment again. And so, you know, what do you want that experience to be like for your kids while they're here? And getting really yeah. purposeful on that. Like Sarah was yeah. saying earlier in the episode, I think is a really great thing to help you define these roles. Yeah. And just to wrap you know, this one up, I think it's about understanding each person's gifts and strengths and, and what they can bring to the table and what that can do for the family. Like if, you know, if you're a family that, you know, wants things that money can buy, it doesn't really matter who the source is, right? As long as you're working together as a team, mm -hmm. I, I view it as like the Williams Inc., you know, and we just, we all have equally important roles, just like any other business, you yes. know, we're, we're all, you know, in this together. So understanding jurisdictions and the highest and best use of everybody's God-given gifts and talents and skills it makes sense. It's always made sense to Ben and it's always made sense to me. Yep. I think, you know, when, when you are the female <laughs> breadwinner and you're doing all these things, there are landmines. 
that come in that you are that you are not expecting. Like, yeah, yeah. This whole episode, like up until this past weekend, I did not ever think that this would ever be a heated discussion between me and my husband. That's the truth because we were so in line. We got all these top three things. These first three things we just went over. Correct. You got him nailed. We got him nailed. And then boom, (laughs) a landmine. And then the kids come in and complicate everything. Yeah, then the kids come in and they mess it up. No, (laughs) No, and you know, um, Caitlin, I I shared earlier, but the the point is, is that there's traditional views and our kids, so so there's a public, one of the biggest landmines is there's a public perception of what the role of the wife is in a relationship, right? And what the role of a mom is. And that is, there is a public perception to that. There's also public perception in terms of what your kids see, right? You know, my my daughter counted and knew how many moms volunteered at the school and mm-hmm. knew that only two dads volunteered at the school. Mm-hmm. And she sees her dad being super involved and her mom not. And she's wondering to herself, wait, wait, my family's Why different. Is that? Yeah. Like, it's really like, wait a second. I think my mommy and daddy are different. And then started talking about it. And then that, but that's a landmine. Being, understanding that when you are the female breadwinner, you are going up against a different perception. And stuff will creep in that will hurt you and not intentionally because of that. So. Yeah, for sure. I think that, you know, one of the things that happened to us is that that a dynamic shifted. Meaning we got married at, you know, what are mm-hmm. we, 20, we were 25, 26, 26, 26, I guess. And, you know, at that time, I can't remember who the breadwinner was. We've gone through different seasons mm-hmm. when each of us has been a breadwinner. So you're married to someone who, I mean, in 24, we're, we're going to have our 25th wedding anniversary. You change, you know, through yeah. the course of your life. And, you know, sometimes uh, in a lot of marriages, like the man didn't marry the female breadwinner. That's right. Yes. It shifted, you know, and that's when the dynamics change that severely. I mean, that's when divorce can happen unless you're mm-hmm. you're really careful and you're staying in front of it. We have just always been super pragmatic about it. We really have not let ego get in the way. We've really just operated as a unit and viewed it as, oh, okay, so you're going to go on the mortgage. We laugh every other home we've, we've bought almost. It's like, oh, who's going on this mortgage because you have better credit or better income or better debt-to-income ratio? We're like, oh, this one's Via, this one's Ben. We've just toggled back and forth. It's Love just, that. It's just like it goes into the family bin, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's really how I think how you have to think. You have to be very unified and, and very, very much a unit because, because if you're not, I think resentment starts creeping in. Yeah. And resentment kills relationships. Well, I think yes. what can happen in, in Say and I's case for sure is like, this was not planned. No. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, it was not. Like, like yeah. we didn't get married and be like, okay, Sarah, you're responsible right. for well, no one, the money. Yeah, you're right. responsible for managing. It just like happened by accident. And Literally. I think what can, and at times you're just going through life and then all of a sudden a landmine hits and it's like, wait a second, mm-hmm. this isn't what I thought it was going to be because we didn't plan mm-hmm. it that way. And just being real about it. Like, man, this is different than what we originally had in our minds, right? Well, and then you take this last year, I mean, where you're doing virtual, like, I mean, Quinn's been in virtual school for almost a year and Nick has been the leader in that. You look at that in addition to everything else with him leading, you know, with Quinn's school. And it's just, it's, wow, what, you know, he already had a tough job, but that's even harder. And I just think, gosh, we, we didn't plan that. That was not something that he signed up for. So, 
But here's the thing, like our guys, they're not really struggling with issues of inadequacy. They're just not. I mean, we have really strong guys, but I think that's a mm-hmm. thing we have to talk about. I think a lot of guys do. I think they feel emasculated or, mm-hmm. you know, depending on what their upbringing is. And I would just say that is that has got to be an open dialogue and you have got to really, you know, allow them to be you know, that the man they want to be in your marriage, whatever that looks like, if it's, you know, I don't know what to say other than if you're not having a constant open dialogue and being really, really aware of that, it's not going to, I mean, it's not going to work. It's not going to be easy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I think probably what we did, you know, whether it was inadvertent or on purpose, is we just were way upstream of it. Like we, we all just have really good marriages that have open communication and have all of these moats around it, you know, so much, you know, and and so I think that, you know, it probably turned purposeful, but it was, it was kind of more accidental in our young marriage. We just were constantly talking about things and aware of things. And so we accidentally stumbled on 25 years of this. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, at some point it has to get purposeful, you know, yes. I think. Yeah, especially if you have you know a male that's struggling with that. Yeah. If you know, and if we're if we're looking at the takeaways from today's episode, you know, the things that I would hope that we all could take away from this is number one, the success of your relationship starts with the respect for your partner. Yeah. Number two, finance can make or break a partnership, a marriage, whatever you want to call it. Getting clear about your finances is huge, and then doing it over and over and over again, meeting about your finances over and over and over again. Number three, realizing that you may purposefully or accidentally get into this situation and be giving yourself permission to have a conversation around that and realign goals. And then number four, I think realizing it's not going to be easy, but it's so going to be worth it. And so, so if you're listening with us today, you know, we just want to encourage you that this is a journey that we're all in together. I don't think any of us have this perfectly figured out, but it's it's a journey and it's something that we love and we're going to keep working on and we hope you're going to join us on it. So thanks for listening, you guys. Go lead big businesses and even bigger lives. And remember, you are an empire builder. So if you like today's episode, subscribe, like send it to a friend, write us a review and uh, thanks for coming on the journey. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Send it to one breadwinner that you know. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Thanks, Have you a guys. Great day, everyone. Bye, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to Empire Building. If you like what you heard, join our tribe by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform and help us spread the word by leaving a five star rating and review. Until next time, wishing you a life worth living. And remember, you are an empire builder. Bye.